everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. We will never understand marriage until we stand under the authority of God. We'll never understand dating relationships until we stand under the authority of God. We'll never understand life itself until we stand under the authority of God. The authority of God is something that's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. If you want to reach your ultimate position in life, you've got to live a life of submission especially when it comes to marriage. Here's some good news for you. God wants the best for every relationship here. I don't mean mediocre stuff. I mean the best. God wants the absolute best for every relationship here. And especially when it comes to marriage, God wants us to hit on all cylinders. Well, how do we do that? To understand marriage, we've got to stand under the authority of God. What does it mean when we're under the authority of God in marriage? Well, it means we're going to have a true love affair with our spouse. That's what it means. Well, what does that look like? First of all, it looks like being in the right position. You've got to be in position. You you can't be out of position. A quarterback cannot play on the offensive line. You've got to be in the right position. And the right position as a husband or a wife is under the authority of God. My wife and I have a dog that weighs 170 pounds. That's right, 170 pounds. Her name is Chloe. She's female and she's very, very unpredictable. She bites now and then. People say, hey, man, does that dog bite? I've got to say, yes, she does, so watch out. Normally, we put her up when company comes over. Chloe has never missed a meal. She'll eat anything. Throw dog food her way, she'll just take it in one gulp. It's amazing. She positions herself right in line to where I'm throwing stuff. I'll throw anything her way. Hamburgers, small children, you name it. She'll just, in one bite, they're gone. Well, positionally, if I'm going to be in the sweet spot of God's success, if I'm going to be fed the way I need to be fed in my marriage, I'm going to be under the authority of God because God's my master and he's feeding me stuff. I've got to eat it and understand that and apply that so I can have the the, the calories, the energy to be the best kind of spouse that God wants me to be. So positionally, I've got to be under the authority of God. And I've got to ask you right now, are you under the authority of God in marriage? How stupid do I look if it's raining outside and I'm like this? (laughs) I mean, how crazy do I look? I'm getting hammered by hell and and pelted by all this rain. I mean, I don't look that smart. You would say, Ed, you've got an umbrella, dude. Get underneath the umbrella, because when I'm under the umbrella, when I'm an umbrella fellow, what's going to happen? I'm going to be protected. I'm in the right position, but also I'm going to be protected from all the elements. When I get out here, I can't really see and know what to do because the storms are, are knocking me off where I should be. And, and, and if I get like this, man, I'm, I'm, I'm under the authority of God. I'm, I'm protected. I'm in that spot of safety. I want my marriage protected. I think you do too. I, I want my kids protected. The Bible says 
that God is a God who loves us and he wants to protect our marriage. And to do that, we've got to do something. We've got to get under the stuff that God has put over us so we can get over the stuff that God's put under us. You might be going, well, Ed, that sounds kind of cute. What does it mean, the stuff under us? What, what has God put under us? What, what, are, what are you talking about? Well, I'll answer that later. But think about the right position. Think about the protection. That's the sweet spot of God's success. Also, think about the perfection that takes place when I'm under the authority of God in marriage. I'm a diamond in the rough. So are you. A diamond in the rough is U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi ugly. It's horrendous looking, but someone who knows what they're doing can cut away the access and make that, that blob and glob of stuff into a beautiful diamond. And that's what God does. Marriage is not the easiest thing. I hate to rain on your romantic parade. I hate to rain on your fantasy land. Marriage is not the easiest thing. Marriage is the hardest thing. But it can become the greatest thing when we do what? Stand under the authority of God. If we have a problem with the authority of God, we've got a problem in marriage. If we've got a problem with the authority of God, we've got a problem in this one and only life. And here's what's so interesting about it. When we depend on God, that's when we have true independence. But in our humanness, we think, well, I'm not going to depend on God. I'm going to be independent. I'll do what I want to do, what makes me look good, what makes me feel good, what gives me pleasure. And when we do that, we're pelted by problems. We're hammered by hail. We're drenched in dysfunction. We can't really see who we are. So we've got protection. We've got position. We also have, notice this, perfection. But on top of that, we have, we have purpose. We have a purpose for living when we're under the authority of God, under his umbrella. I've got a purpose. Most marriages don't have a real purpose in the world today because they don't know how they should treat one another. They don't know how they should react to one another. The Bible says this. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as to the Lord. Submit yourself to your husbands as to the Lord. Then it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. The key word is as. So as I say, husbands, wives, get your as in gear. When you get your as in gear, you're going somewhere because it's as Christ. Wives, think about your husband, okay? It's as Christ. Husbands, think about the wife, as Christ. So marriage should be a serving contest. Now, if I drop the umbrella, if I'm thinking about Ed, what makes Ed look good, what makes Ed feel good, what puts wind in Ed's sail, man, I'm in trouble. I'm going to walk on the edge and the ledge of compromise in my marriage when I do that. And the scary thing about this situation is if the wind changes direction or I trip up or if I take my eyes off my feet, ah, I've got some problems. But if I stay under the authority of God, if I understand it's as Christ, when I wake up, if I say to myself, you know what? It's not about me, it's about Lisa. And if Lisa wakes up and she goes, you know, it's not about me, it's about Ed, then we're thinking about meeting one another's needs. And, and think about it, that's what Jesus has done for us. 
The Bible said that Jesus lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death on the cross, and rose again for you and for me. He met our needs. He met our needs. And he does that 24-7. Well, the marriage is a reflection of Christ's relationship to the church. What's the church? We're a bunch of moral foul-ups. We're a colossal collection of sinners. That's what we are. Jesus, though, loves us when we're hard to be loved. He loves me when I mess up, when I trip up. He loves me. He's always thinking about my needs. So as a husband, I'm to think about Lisa's needs. Lisa, as a wife, is to think about my needs. Now, naturally, we're not going to do that. As I've said before, if we did not have Jesus Christ, we'd be divorced. We, we, we would split up a long time ago. In fact, if you don't have Jesus, why even get married anyway? That, that's a good question, you know? If you, if, you don't, if you don't believe this stuff, buy this stuff, just don't get married. But if you believe in Christ, if you know he's true and he's real and he has a purpose and a plan and a power for you, which I believe, get under the authority of God because Jesus Christ is the author of marriage. He's the author of communication, the author of sex, the author of intimacy, the author of communication. So I either do it his way and I get my ass in gear and I'm going somewhere I'm loving Lisa, and my love is reflective of Christ's love to me, or I drop the umbrella, and I just walk on the edge and the ledge of compromise. Now, here's something I want to talk to the singles about. A lot of you are not married. 90% of you stats say, well, get married. That's good news. Ladies, you're looking for Mr. Right. You better be looking for an umbrella fellow. Somebody who's under the authority of God. Now, ladies, guys can mess you up because guys will do anything just to marry you. They'll say anything. They'll, they'll, they'll hold any umbrella up high, but you better watch him for at least a year to see if he's the real deal. Let him go through some seasons to see if he's still the umbrella fella or not. If he is, man, that's a good one. Get married to him. If he's not, Head for the hills. Get out of town. Okay, guys, single guys, you're looking for a parasol princess, right? You better be looking for a woman who's under the authority of God. Because a woman who's under the authority of God is getting the best for her life. You better watch her and check her out and make sure that she has gone through the seasons, that she's weathered some storms, but she's still under the authority of God. It's very tempting for women who want to get married to have their, you know, vice grip on their umbrella, and they want to get married so bad, the first thing that wears pants that comes in their path, they just grab him around the neck and say, honey, I'm getting married. You're coming with me. No, no, no. It, it shouldn't be that way. Husbands, Ephesians 5.25, love your wives, what? As Christ loved the church. How did Jesus love the church? Selflessly sacrificially, steadfastly, selflessly. He didn't think about himself. Jesus didn't. He died on the cross for our sins. Selflessly, steadfastly, steadfastly. His love never stops. Total commitment. When has Jesus ever bolted on you and me? When has Jesus ever cruised on the church? Never. He's not going to do that. So Jesus loves us 
selflessly, sacrificially. He laid it all down for us. He loves us steadfastly. Husbands, that's, that's our example. Again, it's a supernatural thing. We're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We're to first love them that way because remember, Jesus first loved us. We didn't first love him because I'm a sinner, man. I need a savior. Jesus met my needs. He took the initiative. He took the step by dying on the cross for our sins and rising again. He took my junk and my funk, your shortcomings, your moral turnovers, and he took it on himself and he offers us eternal life. Well, once we receive it, wow, we, we know Jesus Christ personally. So the Bible says in Ephesians 5:22, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Well, when I just think about what Jesus has done for me, when I just, just, just think about that and process that and read that in the Bible, I can't wait to serve him. I'm free to serve him because he's first loved me. And that's the picture of a woman's role in marriage. The man's responsibility is sacrifice. The woman's responsibility is submission. Submission, sacrifice. Now there's a squillion things, a squillion things, I'll say it again, that Lisa can do better than I can. I mean, a lot of stuff. And she's superior to me in many different areas. And I submit to her gladly in those areas. There are some things, believe it or not, I can do even better than Lisa. And she submits to me in those areas. So I'm not talking about rights. Well, my right is a woman. Well, my right is a man. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about responsibilities because we're all equal. The, 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 the playing field is level at the foot of the cross. I'm talking, though, about job descriptions. God has given the man, the husband, the leadership role in the relationship. The buck has got to stop somewhere. There's got to be a president. There's got to be a CEO. There's got to be a coach. There's got to be someone where the buck stops. And guys, that's your responsibility, and that's mine. But so many of us have just dropped the umbrella. And we're out here trying to do this incredible thing called marriage in a whack way. We're trying to do our own deal. And what happens is we drop the umbrella and we begin to walk on the ledge and the edge of compromise. We begin to say, I know what's best for me. I know how to do life. I know how to relate to members of the opposite sex. And then one day we're attracted to someone, someone maybe around the office or in the neighborhood or around the apartment complex. And Attraction is not bad. We're going to be attracted to members of the opposite sex. Even when you're married, you'll, wow, man, he's handsome. Whoa, look at that girl. I mean, that's not what will mess you up. What messes you up is the second look and the third look and the, and, the, and, the, and the fourth look. So we convince ourselves, man, there is no way I could ever sleep in the wrong bed. I mean, yeah, I've dropped the umbrella, but there's no way I would ever cheat on my spouse. I mean, it's not going to happen to me. And we believe this stuff. And John chapter 8, verse 44 talks about this. It says that Satan, the evil one, is the father of lies. It says when he talks, he speaks in his native language. And we've all believed those lies before, haven't we? He's an incredible liar. He's just lying, lying, lying. And, and, and Satan begins to lie to us and look at this person. I mean, nothing's wrong with just looking. 
Come on, you can just look. And then we begin to, to say to ourselves, you know, there's no way I can end up in the wrong bed, so, so I'll just kind of talk to this person and develop a friendship with this person. And then you start walking by this person's office. You go out of your way to deal with them. And, and then you start thinking thoughts like, man, what would it be like to, to, to spend more time with them alone? What would it be like to, to hold them, to touch them? And, 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 and the evil one places these thoughts in our mind. What would it be like to, to sleep with them? And, and he says to us, man, you're just thinking about it. It's just fantasy. You're not going to do it. I mean, just, you know, just, just think about it. And we walk on the edge and the ledge, and, 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 and we say, oh, there's no way I could sleep in the wrong bed. And then we begin to check the person out, and we begin to talk to the person and spend more and more time with the person. Then we begin to compare the person with our spouse. We're, we're comparing our spouse, reality, living with someone on the rugged plains of reality, mortgages and car payments and soccer games and, 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 and kids getting sick and all that stuff. We're, we're, we're comparing reality with fantasy. Reality, fantasy, that's a total, that's a total farce. It's an unfair comparison, reality, fantasy. And then one day, because we're out from underneath the authority of God, we do physically what we've already done emotionally, mentally. We connect by having sex. We sleep in the wrong bed. And the world tells us, oh, it's awesome, man, the thrills and chills and the clandestine meetings and this and that. It's, it's unbelievable, man. This is, this is off the hook. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people who've slept in the wrong bed. Hundreds. And eventually, they come back to me and tell me this. They say, usually with tears, they say, Ed, if only I could reverse the process. If only, if only, if only. What are they saying? They're saying, Ed, I wish, man, I could leave the ledge and come under the authority of God. I wish, Ed, I could leave the ledge and, 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 and love my spouse the way God wants me to. In a crowd this size, I know that many people here have slept in the wrong bed. The recent stats say that 80% of all marriages will deal with having an affair. You might have slept in a lot of wrong beds. You might have done this and done that. You might have said, you know, Ed, come on, man. As you're talking, I mean, is there hope and help for me? Well, the answer is a resounding yes. Today, you can leave the ledge, I'm telling you this, and leave a legacy. You can leave the ledge, you can get out of the wrong bed and come up underneath the authority of God. You can discover what marriage is all about. You might be going, well, how do I do that? It's all about authority. I get under the authority of God, and then I have the wisdom to say to myself, you know what? I'm not going to live on the ledge. I am going to be as wise as a serpent, that's what Jesus said, and harmless as a dove. You say to yourself, you know, I am going to make decisions over here. I'm not going to make decisions on the ledge and the edge. I'm going to convince myself that it can happen to me, that no one is above and beyond this. Here's what we have to do. We have to borrow pain from the future. The Bible says when we're tempted. It doesn't say if. We're all going to be tempted. 
So when we're tempted, we got to borrow some pain from the future. If I do so-and-so, here's what I'm signing up for in the future. Here's the pain that I will process in the future. Also, we need to think about the pleasure that we can borrow from the future. Okay, if I, if I do what God wants me to do and leave the ledge and come underneath the authority of God, I'm going to have some great pleasure. It's going to be amazing what God will do. Don't sacrifice your future on the altar of the present. Say that with me. Don't sacrifice your future on the altar of the present. Because we're going to be signing up for some serious pain if we jump over the edge and the ledge. We'll sign up for some serious pain. When we're under the authority of God, we have the opportunity and the wisdom and the ability to convince ourselves it will happen. We can make the decision not to sacrifice our future on the present day altar. And that's a huge, huge thing. Also, when we're under the authority of God, we can cultivate our marriage. As I said earlier, marriage is not the easiest thing, it's the hardest thing. But it can be the greatest thing when we're under God's authority. You never arrive in your marriage. You never say, okay, man, I'm dialed in, everything's cool, I've got it, no problem. It always takes work. And Lisa and I wrote a book a while back called The Creative Marriage. It's in its fourth printing. And over the last several months, we've been working to go more in-depth in this book, to expand this book. And as we begin to read through this book and think about the pages and the information in it, once again, we were ambushed with this thought. Great marriages take great work. And great understanding occurs when we stand under the authority of God. Because again, I'll say it, God has the best in store for every single relationship here and every marriage here. And it's as easy as getting under what God has placed over us so we can get over what God has placed under us. Well, how do we know what's under us? And, and, and what, what should be under us? That's a, that's a pretty good question. One of the things that should be under us is, is uh, the whole financial realm. Finances cause more divorces than almost anything. Financial turmoil. Well, Scripture says that we should live by the 10-10-80 principle. We should bring the first 10 into our local house of worship. We should save at least 10, and then we live on 80%. We can enjoy that. And God wants us to enjoy that because God's blessed us. Because our stuff is not our stuff, it's God's stuff. God has given us all different amounts of stuff. And we're to live by that principle. So God wants that to be under us. How about kids? It's really interesting how many well-meaning parents give their kids the authority and they orbit their lives around their kids. The kids run the show. They call the shots. They sit in the corner office. They tell mom and dad what to do. That's not the way it should be because spouses stay, kids leave. Have you given the umbrella to your kids? If you have, you're not under the authority of God. How about sex? What happens when one is in the mood and one is not in the mood? What do you do? 
Well, the world tells us all this wheels off stuff. The glassy-eyed gurus, the talk show hosts, all the books and, and the shelves that sag at Barnes & Noble about marriage and sex and all that. Well, what does the Bible say about sex? Because God invented sex. When one is not in the mood and the other one is in the mood, when someone says no, they shouldn't just say no. The Bible says there's only one reason why you should not have sex with your spouse. If you both agree to pray. Now, Lisa and I have been married for almost 24 years, and we've never had that particular agreement that we both want to pray and abstain <laughs> from sex. But it's okay to say no now and then. You can say no, but don't say like, no! You hurt the other person's self-esteem. You need to say no with a caveat. No tomorrow morning. No tomorrow night. Have a 24-hour rule. That's vital because God invented sex. Sex is the super glue of the marriage. Think about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three, coexistent, co-eternal with one another. I said that fast, didn't I? What's the, just the genius, the brilliance, the uniqueness of the Trinity? Oneness. What's the brilliance, the uniqueness, the genius of marriage? Oneness. God made us different so we could be one. A man is superior to a woman in being a man. A woman is superior to a man in being a woman. God made us unique so we can be the same. Well, how do we become the same? How do we become one? How do we walk in unity together? We've got to get our as in gear. It's as Christ. As Christ. As Christ. As Christ. And that gives us the ability and the octane to have an amazing marriage. So here's my question. Are you under the authority of God, discovering his awesome position and power and purpose and perfection and prosperity? Are you braving the elements this way? Or are you like this? Like this or like this? What's your choice going to be? Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.